turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. If you all could see what is taking place in the Spirit each week, you can't see it. But in the Spirit realm, something is happening. In the Spirit realm, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday school class, every Sunday, we walk around here week after week doing this. Spreading seed. The seed that we're sowing is the word of God. And it goes all around. And for some of you, I have to actually get in your pew and kind of get up on you and kind of shake some out. Week after week, this is what we do. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, whenever we have the opportunity to share the word of God with you, what we're doing is we're spreading seed. We're planting seed in your lives. Now, that being the case, I have a right Apostle Paul says that he had rights, but there were things he didn't claim his rights. I have a right as a preacher of the gospel that whenever I sow seed into your lives to expect, and if I don't expect it, I should do something else, to expect a spiritual harvest back from the seed that is sown. I should come by Every once in a while, I look down the pew there, look down the aisle, and look for a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of obedience, a harvest of faith, a harvest of maturity, a harvest of love and joy and peace. As a minister of the gospel, whenever Ernie goes out and sows seed on his farm, I'm sure that if you would drive down Route 10 or Route 23, you might see Ernie out there at certain times walking through the fields or driving through the fields and looking on the crop and see what it's producing. The same thing is true for those who preach the gospel. We should expect a harvest. We should expect a harvest. And not just those who are, quote, vocational ministers, but you and I are each called to share God's word. We're each called to sow his word into the lives of other people. And we should expect it. Not just like, okay, well, if it happens, it happens. But we should eagerly expect the seed that is sown to produce a harvest of righteousness. If it doesn't produce a harvest, then we need to take a look at it and see what is happening. Why is this not producing a harvest? Now, in the scripture we're about to read, Jesus is teaching in what we refer to as parables. He's telling a story about a sower. The disciples don't understand what Jesus is saying. And so later on, Jesus says to them, well, let me explain it to you. And when he gets them privately, he explains it. So let's kind of just pick up there in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, and Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat down and sat out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked a plant, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It grew up. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything he said in parables. So that, and he quotes from one of the prophets, They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away that word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Jesus explained the kingdom of God. He was trying to teach his followers about the kingdom. And as he does this, he doesn't do it by giving a lecture on theology. But he does it by painting a picture that captured the attention of the people. This picture that he portrayed before them forced them to use their imagination and to think. And to think beyond just what they could see, but to think even further. A parable is a story that's placed alongside of a teaching to help one to understand the meaning. It's much more than an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And it's more than just a visual that helps us to remember. A lot of you will remember. Remember the time Pastor walked down the aisle with the spreader? Yeah, yeah, okay. And we kind of like that kind of thing because it captures our attention and, and it kind of draws us in. But parables were even more than that. A true parable gets the listener deeply involved and forces that listener to make a personal decision about God's truth and his or her life. So powerful were Jesus' parables That whenever he spoke them to people, it invoked emotion. It invoked so much emotion that after some of his parables, people got angry and wanted to kill him. That's a pretty good story. One commentator wrote this. He says, a parable begins innocently as a picture that arrests our attention and arouses our interest. But as we study the picture, it becomes a mirror in which we suddenly see ourselves. If we continue to look by faith, the mirror becomes a window through which we see God and his truth. How we respond to the truth will determine what further truth God will teach us. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Well, his disciples asked him that very question. Why are you teaching us these stories? 
these parables. Well, Jesus used parables both to hide and to reveal the truth. There were things when he told a parable, there were some things that were hidden from certain listeners. The crowd did not judge the parable, but the parable judged the crowd. And you know, in church, I was thinking about this. When we come into church, we typically want to sit back and we kind of cross our arms. We judge the word. Pastor's a little long this week. Last week, that was a great message. I don't think he'll be able to top that one. Or actually, last week kind of stunk. I wish he could do a little better. And we kind of sit back like we're going to a restaurant and we're critics. You know what I mean? We kind of sit back like food critics at the restaurant and we take a little taste of this. And mm, Okay, well, I'm going to just say something to you. You don't judge the word. The word judges you. These people did not judge the parable, but the parable judged them. It revealed the truth about them. And when you and I come into God's house, whenever we spend time in his word, we don't judge the word. The word judges us. It reveals to us the true state. Okay? So it's really not my opinion or how good of a parable I thought it was. The word judged them. The carelessness listener who thought he knew everything, would hear only a story that he didn't really understand. And he'd go away kind of shaking his head. What was he talking about? And the result in his life would be judgment. The sincere listener, with the desire to know God's truth, would ponder the parable. He would confess his ignorance and submit to the Lord and then begin to understand the spiritual lesson that Jesus wanted to teach. Because remember, the disciples are like, Jesus, what are you? We don't know what you're talking about. Can you explain to us what you meant by the story? Now, God placed a great deal of importance upon hearing the word of God. In one form or another, the word here is used 13 times in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. So every third verse, it is used. A little under that. Obviously, our Lord was speaking not from a term of physically hearing, but about hearing with spiritual discernment. Some of you may say to your kids, are you listening to me? Did you hear me? Well, I want you to know they heard you. And some of you wives may say of your husband, you're not listening. And he says, yes, I am. And he repeats back to you what you said, but you know he's still not really listening. And when the word of God is proclaimed to us, a lot of us hear it. It's not, does it go into my ear? Do I need a hearing aid? If we're not acting upon the word, if the word of God is not being obeyed, then we're really not hearing it. We may hear it. We may know it. But until it's put into action, that's the type of hearing that he is speaking about. To hear the word of God means to understand it, to obey it, and to act upon it. This parable talks about different kinds of soil. The parable helps the disciples understand why Jesus was not impressed by the large crowds that were following him. There was such huge crowds that were following Jesus that he has to get out into a boat and go out in the water because everyone was pressing in on him. Remember whenever he fed the 5,000 men? That doesn't count women and children. Out in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, huge crowds were following Jesus. Jesus wasn't really impressed by that. And the reason why he wasn't is because he knew that most of them would never produce fruit from changed lives. Because the word he was teaching them was like seed 
falling into poor soil. Remember, there were times whenever huge crowds were following Jesus. Hey, as long as you're giving out free fish sandwiches, people are coming. I got some bread and some fish. Where's the tartar sauce? And we're ready to roll. And crowd after crowd are coming to him. As long as he's performing these crazy miracles. There's this guy who's blind and Jesus touches his eyes and spits in the ground and puts mud in his eyes. And the guy's able to see. People are like, dude, this is awesome. Wow. The longer Jesus' ministry goes on, he starts kind of talking some stuff that they don't want to hear. He starts talking about a cross. And he starts talking about being dead, being buried, resurrected. He talks about like, now I'll be honest with you. This would freak me out to eat in his body and stuff like that. I'd be like, I, you know, you can't blame people. They'd be like, hey, we're out of here. This is crazy. Uh, can you share the cup of suffering that I'm going to share? They're like, I want to reign with you, Jesus. They were all into it whenever things were good. But whenever the pressures came upon it and the sacrifices and the picking up your cross and denying yourself and following me, the crowds begin to dwindle. Well, what's happened to Jesus' ministry? It begins to dwindle. The closer he gets to the cross and the more honest he is with the people and the more he begins to reveal to them the cross and what lays ahead of him, more and more of his followers begin to desert him. The seed that we've spoken of here represents God's word. And the sower is the servant of God who shares the word with others. That's you. This is not just professional clergy. This is you and I who share the word of God with our children, who share the word of God with our neighbors, who share the word of God with our co-workers. The human heart is the soil. It's like soil. And the human heart must be prepared to receive the seed before the seed can take root and produce a harvest. Like seed, the word of God is alive and it's able to produce spiritual fruit. But the seed must be planted and cultivated before a harvest will come. So when we talk about this parable, it's very important that we understand that the word of God is the seed that's being spoken of here. It's very important that we grasp that. It's also very important that you and I understand that what Jesus is addressing is the issue of men and women's hearts. In our society today, and as a pastor, sometimes in sharing the word with you, presenting the word with you. We want to have the latest and greatest tool to do that. And so churches do all kinds of things. They invest all kinds of money. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it having good tools. Tools are wonderful. If I can have a good tool or no tool at all, I'll have a good tool. Electronics and media and, and speakers and sound systems, all these things are tools. The spreader is a tool. Ernie has on his farm, he has different kinds of planters and different kinds of equipment and different kinds of tractors that he uses. Those are a tool. The seed. Seed's very important. And there's times whenever we sow the seed and it's not producing a harvest and we can kick the equipment. Ah, this stupid spreader. I don't know what's wrong with this spreader. We can complain about the seed. Now, it doesn't matter that we can have, you can get the greatest seed that's out there now. The latest and greatest hybrid seed that they produce. You can spread that. You can be, can be complaining about the seed. You can be complaining about the equipment that you use or the tools that you use. You can even be mad and complain about the farmer. 
and say, that farmer, the guy who's doing the planting, I don't like the way he plants. But I want to say this to you. The real issue is the soil of your heart. That's what Jesus speaks about here. He talks about the condition of the heart. And that when the word is presented, when the word is put out there, the results depend upon the condition of the heart. And he speaks about a number of different heart conditions that people have. As in today, there are four kinds of hearts and they respond to God's messages in four different ways. The first one is a hard heart. It's a hard heart. If you look at verse 4 and verse 15, verses 4 and 15, it's, verse 4 says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. He skips down. If you look at verse 15, Jesus' explanation says, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The hard heart resists the word of God. And that seems to make it easy for Satan or the birds to snatch away God's word. Soil becomes hard along the path when people have treaded on it. When people walk along the path, just the trampling of the soil makes it hard and it becomes almost like a brick. The seed can't penetrate that. The principle there is that in people's lives... Sometimes people have been trampled on. And as a result of that, what do we do? We harden our hearts to protect ourselves. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe someone has said something or done something to you. And the natural, I'm not blaming you for it. Just telling you that's a reality. The natural response is when we've been hurt is to harden our hearts. That's the natural reflex. The natural reaction. We're going to harden our hearts. I'm not going to let you keep hurting me. But what happens is oftentimes people will harden their hearts. And so when the word of God comes, that seed can't penetrate their hearts. And what does Satan do? He comes and steals that away. Hard hearts need to be plowed up before they can receive the seed. And this can be a very painful experience. To be productive, if your heart has become hardened... For you to be productive and become fruitful again, you have to allow God to turn the soil of your heart. You have to allow him. That's why the scripture says about rend your hearts and not your garments. They were doing outward expressions of repentance and coming back to God. And he was saying, rend your hearts. Make your heart soft and tender again. Allow God to do that work to repair your hearts, to get rid of the hardness and the bitterness. The second heart that he speaks of is found in verses 5 and 6. And that is a shallow heart. A shallow heart. Verse 5 says, Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now Jesus' explanation about that in verses 16 and 17. He says, others like seeds sown in rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. This heart is like thin soil on a rock. Very typical for the area of Palestine. If you look at our church lawn out here to the front, every year, 
And every year in the summer, there is a marked area where the grass turns brown. It's in like a rectangular area. The reason for that is because years ago, they had dug up the land. They were going to build something down there, and they poured the footers there. So the soil is not as deep. So whenever the heat comes and the pressure of all of the heat and the sun during the summer, all that weight it's trying upon that grass. And because it doesn't have as deep of roots, and because the soil underneath it is not as healthy, and because of this rock under there, every year in the same place, our lawn dries out. The same principle is true. Jesus was teaching And and they would have known this because Palestine was a a very rocky area, okay? It wasn't like the beautiful farmland that we have around here through this valley, Weaverland Valley. It wasn't like that. Because there wasn't a lot of depth, the roots couldn't go down. They didn't have roots. This represents the person who emotionally hears the word of God. And they receive it with joy. They're like, yes! And this, that was the best message I've ever heard in my whole life. Wow. And they tell all their neighbors and their friends, and you don't see them for like another six months. And you're like, well, man, if that was the best message I've ever heard in my life, either maybe you think there will never be another one like it, so you just give up. There's times where maybe we've heard a message, we say, that's it, I'm not going to do any more. There's the emotional hearers who, they hear the word, they get excited about it, But whenever trials comes, and temptation comes, and difficulties come, they abandon their faith. Why? Because they don't have any depth. It's a danger. Not just that we, it's exciting to respond, but we need to have that depth, that type of soil. And Jesus was explaining that. There's a third type of heart that's found in verse 7. And that's what we're going to refer to as the crowded heart. It says, Other seed fell among thorns. It fell, the other seed that fell, fell amongst a bunch of other stuff. There was a lot of other stuff growing there in that plot of ground. Among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. And then we skip down to uh, verses 18 and 19, and Jesus explains that. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things came in and choked the word, making it unfruitful. That's the crowded heart. This heart pictures a person who receives the word, but does not truly repent and remove the weeds out of his or her heart. This hearer has too many different kinds of seed Growing in the soil of his life. Worldly cares, desires for riches, a lust for things. And the good seed has no room to grow. To change the image, this person wants to walk the broad way and the narrow way at the same time. It can't be done. And this is the person, this is the heart that whenever God's word is sown to them, they're like, yes, this is great. I love it. And it it starts to grow in their life. But before long, other things kind of crowded out. So what's the result? It can't produce the harvest. It can't be fruitful. Why? 
Because other things have crowded it out. So Jesus says, so when the word is sown, Jesus saying is this, that when the word is sown, there's going to be seed that's sown. It's good soil. The seed starts to grow. It starts to produce. But other things, the cares of this life, other desires, begin to choke it out and making the word, that seed, unfruitful. I want you to notice this. All three of these different types of heart fail to produce a harvest. It's not a problem with the seed. It's not a problem with the seed. Well, it's not good seed. No, the seed is good. It's not a problem with the equipment that they're sowing the seed with. It's good equipment. It's not the farmer's fault. It's not the one who's sowing the seed's fault. It comes down, Jesus is teaching this principle, that it comes down to, it's the soil. It's the attitude of the heart at that time. It's the condition of the heart that affects the seed. We can kick the spreader and be mad about it. It doesn't do any good. We can complain about the soil all day long. That's not the issue. The issue is the condition of the soil or the condition of man's heart. Let me say this to you. The result of all three, we could really categorize it in two groups, fruitful and unfruitful. Because it really doesn't matter. It really don't matter the reason. It's nice to know that. But bottom line is, it doesn't produce a harvest. It's unfruitful. And this other one produces a harvest. It's fruitful. What does Jesus say about trees that don't bear fruit? Jesus says that if you have a tree and if it doesn't bear fruit... Eventually, you cut it down, you burn it up, you cut it off. I don't want to be unfruitful. I don't want to be in that group that's unfruitful. I want God's word to produce a harvest in my life. Let's look at this other one, and then we're going to draw some conclusions here. The fruitful heart is the final one. This heart pictures the true believer, and it says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then the other one that Jesus said is others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. This heart pictures a true believer. A changed life is evidence of God at work in our lives. The seed needs to produce something within us. The other three hearts produce no fruit. Now, I want you to know this. Not all true believers are equally productive. True believers, we're not all going to produce the same amount. Okay? But true believers are going to produce fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, or if the fruit you're producing is the wrong kind... We need to take a minute and take a look at that. Because by nature, we should be producing, because we're the children of God, because we've been born again, because we've been bought by His blood, because His word is being sown in our lives, we should produce a harvest of righteousness. Do apple trees bear cherries? No. And the fruit that you and I bear. People people always say, oh, don't judge things, don't judge anybody. We can definitely understand, we can recognize fruit. And that judging doesn't mean that we never recognize the fact that, wow, I'm not bearing the right kind of fruit. 
that's not the type of not judging that Jesus talks about, that the Word talks about. So we should, and the Word tells us that we need to judge ourselves. Each of these, each true believer is going to produce some kind of spiritual fruit. We're going to produce something of the Spirit. Each of these three fruitless hearts were influenced by a different enemy. The hard heart, the devil came and snatches a seed. The shallow heart, the flesh counterfeits religious feelings and because it don't have roots, comes and steals that away whenever the pressures come. The crowded heart, the things of the world smother the growth and prevent the harvest. And these are the three great enemies of the Christian, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're the enemy of you and I producing a fruit. As we come to a conclusion, once again, when we started this, we said that a parable, what does it do? It's deeper than just a story. It causes us to think and to ponder and to look at ourselves. And if we look long enough at ourselves and start to reveal what we are, look in that mirror, then before long it turns into a window and we begin to see the heart of God. There's two things I want to leave you with. I'd like to make two applications. First, you and I have the opportunity to sow the word. And while it may fall on deaf ears or seem to make no lasting difference, we need to continue sowing the word because it will produce a harvest. It will produce a harvest if we faint not. There's times when that word is sown and it falls on good soil and it will produce 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. When you and I sow the word, we don't always know how long that seed may turn there or lay there before it produces a harvest. We don't know that when we sow the seed, when we sow the seed into the lives of other people, we sow God's word. We don't know how long it's going to take for their hearts to be prepared. But there comes a time when men and women's hearts are prepared and that soil, we planted that seed, we planted that seed. Don't grow weary in sowing seed. Don't give up sowing seed because the promise we're looking at is we're going to reap a harvest if we faint not. So you keep sowing seed. You may sow that seed into the lives of your kids and not see any immediate result. That's okay. You keep sowing it. You may sow the word of God into your neighbor or you may sow the word of God into a coworker, or you may sow the word of God. You may be passing out CDs of the messages or a track or talking to someone. You don't know how long it's going to take for that seed to germinate and to produce a harvest in that man or woman's life. But you don't give up. You can't planting that seed. How many times have we heard someone, people I've dealt with over the years would come to me and say, my mom's dead now. But she used to tell me, I have a grandmother who prayed for me. And for years, that grandmother never saw, she never saw the harvest of what she had planted in the lives of her children or her grandchildren. But over a period of time, that seed took off. So don't grow weary in sowing seed. The other thing I would like to have you to consider is as you hear this parable about God's, God's word, what is it revealing about the condition of your heart? The different types of soil. There's times whenever our lives are crowded with other things. Times when we're just busy with so many other things. And the word doesn't have room. There's times that we've allowed our hearts to become hard. We've been hurt. We've been disappointed. We've been offended in some way. So what do we do? We harden our hearts. And the word can't penetrate our hearts. 
then there's also the times where the word finds good soil. What's God saying to you? What's he saying about the condition of your heart? And what action is he calling you to take? What's he calling you to do? As we close, I'm expecting a harvest. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I might not have the nicest spreader. And it may not be the latest and greatest. But I'm going to tell you what. The seed's good seed. I'm expecting God to produce a harvest in your life. I'm expecting to see maturity. I'm expecting to see spiritual growth. I'm expecting to see obedience. I'm expecting to see you overcome. I'm expecting to see you be victorious. I'm expecting God to produce a harvest in your marriages and in your families. I'm expecting righteous children, righteous grandchildren to grow up, spring up. Why? I've been sowing some good seed. And you know what the promise is? He promises it. It's a guarantee that my word will not return void. It's like going somewhere, a money-back guarantee. He says, my word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was set. So I've been sowing some good seed for a long time. You know what? I'm expecting to see that harvest in your life. I'm expecting to see that harvest in your children. And you know what? I'm just going to believe God we're going to do that. And if God's spoken to you about some actions that you need to take, about the attitude of your heart, if you're not seeing that taking place, you better look. You better check the condition of the soil of your heart. All right? Because I'm telling you, the word's good. The seed's good. The promise of the one who sent his word, you can stand on that. And so we're just going to check the condition. We're going to let God speak to us. And then we're going to do this. We're going to make a commitment today that God, every chance you give me, I'm going to sow your word into somebody's life. I might sound goofy when I pray scriptures over my kids. I'm going to pray them. You may quote scriptures to your neighbor or tell them biblical principles. Share them. However it is that you do that, give them a CD. Send them a link to our website or to another website where you heard a good message. What are we doing? We're sowing the word of God and it will not return void. Father God, I thank you today for our time together. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the chance that we have to sow the word of God into the lives of people. I thank you for the many seed that's been sown here. Lord, I think if we could see in the spirit, we'd see all kind of seed that's been sown into the lives of people through your word. Lord, I pray that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish what it was sent. I pray that you would produce a harvest and a quick and a hundredfold return on the word that's been invested into our lives, Lord. May it produce a harvest of righteousness, peace, joy, strength in the Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name.